podcast. Our topic today is getting off the tools. And this has been a question that we get asked again and again and again. And I can't believe we haven't done a podcast on this yet. I know, it's such a big topic. Such a big topic. And honestly, I feel like I talk about it all the time. So it was quite a shocker when we realised we hadn't talked about it on a podcast. So do you want to start with your story, Diane? How did you get yeah. off the topic? So for me, it was always the plan. So right from the beginning, I was not going to um, be the person providing the cleaning services. But obviously I did, because that's the reality when you start a business is you do the, the tasks of the business. Um, but I probably, it was probably when I got to eight team members before I actually took myself out of the schedule. So I was scheduled to do a lot of cleaning um, until I got to eight team members. So yeah, it was, so it takes a long time. And actually it was probably about 15 team members before I stopped cleaning completely. So it, it was, yeah, it was a bit of a journey. So what happened at 15 team members for you to stop? Cause surely it was even busier at that point. Yeah, it was, it was really, for me, it was a, just a decision point that the, you know, managing a team of 15 and doing everything in the background, doing all at the time I was doing all the customer service, all the invoicing, all the selling, all the marketing, absolutely everything else in the business, as well as going out cleaning. I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was a breaking point in terms of my ability to do everything. And it was also, it was the right time. I knew that that was why I always planned to do. I planned to do it sooner. I just kind of got involved in the being busy I suppose and um, like I suppose a lot of us do but for me it was a it was that decision point I am no longer available end of I don't care who's off sick I don't care who's on holiday I don't care what's happening I am no longer part of the decision process I'm no longer the person that jumps in and goes I'll go out cleaning for seven hours or whatever I used to have to do so there'll be people listening to this going, oh my gosh, I think I'm at that point, but I'm too scared. Like I don't want to start cancelling cleans because I haven't got absolute stability in my business and you didn't have stability. Well, you had some, I would imagine, but it was not absolute stability when you did it, was it? No, and it, it was a, you know, I had made some decisions earlier than that where I, I re reduced my hours and, you know, and I wasn't scheduled at this, the point when I made the decision, I'm no longer available. I wasn't scheduled anymore. So I wasn't, I didn't have regular clients. I was literally just the cover. Um, but it was still scary because, you know, I think sometimes it's, it's almost too easy to supplement our income a little bit by going out and doing some of the cleaning. That's um, what I hear all the time. I can't give up. If I, if I didn't do the cleaning, I can't justify taking money. Yeah. And it's, it's, you need that shift. So it's, it's a, like, it's a decision point, but it's also knowing that you've got the business to a stage where it doesn't need you to be delivering the cleaning. It needs you to be running the business. It needs you to be, you know, doing the, the day to day, but not the cleaning. Yeah, it's hard. Isn't How it? about you, Louise? Did you we went through a similar process? Um, yes and no. So um obviously when we got to about sort of similar to you, eight, ten staff, um I continued being on the rotor, but I actually started working with my husband who came and worked in the office. So I was never really massively into working in the office, if I'm honest. Um so I carried on being on the rotor. I love being out and about. Um, I didn't really come off the tools. I guess I started being scheduled off the tools around, it was around sort of 15, 17 staff that I started being scheduled off. But I kind of didn't like being off. Um, I'd rather be on the tools. And I was like, any chance, I was like, get back out. And then it gets to the point where 
I mean, maybe for me, the point where I really stopped was when I started, I started having a few health issues. Um, and then I was like, look, you can't put me back on the tools. I'm not going. I think I, if I'm honest, I'd still be out there now if I could. Really? I love yeah. it. I love it. So I still go out there and like, if, if, like it's quite a big shift though for me like if I see a mistake or I see something hasn't quite been done properly and then I have to go right you guys do it you do it because I'm not going to fix it even though I could um because you don't learn if I fix it um and so I guess the transition came quite slowly for me um yeah quite slowly quite different to you I guess um but I still had to make the same decisions at some point like it was my business and when I took my husband on board and said okay well you sit in the office there's still the same financial risk that I was effectively having to take so whether it's you or whether it's someone else it's your gamble if you choose to take on an admin staff that's someone else sat there not actively generating income for your company so I think that's one of, one of the hard things about it is, is we, we, we spend so much time in our business thinking about getting paid by the hour um, and, and the way the, the business earns money is by the hour. So as soon as you either yourself step back and or bring in somebody on the admin side, they're not earning money for the business, not in the same way as you've been used to thinking about it. And it feels lazy, doesn't it? So you've got your admin person that's doing your scheduling or taking phone calls or doing bookings. It's like, well, okay, what's that going to do? Oh, that gives me more time with my family. And you think, well, that would be really exciting. But we've probably at that point been programmed over two or three years to go every spare moment, I need to be working, I need to be working. So, you know, it doesn't actually feel that great when it happens. No, and it's it's, it's, it's that scary transition point, I suppose. It's a, But it's a brilliant transition point because it means that you have built a business, not just created, you know, a job for you going out cleaning. You've built something that works outside of you. Yes. But does it really work outside of you if someone has to be in the office and that's you? You know, not, not yet. But, you know, at least it delivers the service without you when you've made that transition. So what do you think of the term passive income? <laughs> well you know I, you know I'm into property so I hear that that a lot and I always talk about people talk about financial freedom and and all this sort of thing it's not freedom if you're having to do the day-to-day so it's it's I'm not sure it's real but it does mean that eventually you could become an investor in your business but it's it's a long way off from 15 staff in my opinion so Diane what do you think about the term passive income is there such a thing as passive income I think there is, but that's that's the next stage for your business where you actually become an investor in the business. And I hear a lot of talk about passive income and financial freedom, but it's not passive if you're working at any point in the business, is it? But it be, it can become less labor intensive, shall we say? OK, so I've got a question. Right. And this is one that I get asked all the time. And I know it's going to be really hard for you to answer it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So. If I was to start a cleaning business, uh, what sort of turnover should I come off the tools? Oh. <laughs> How hard is that? Uh, do you ask this? I have no idea. <laughs> I would say you want to be looking at your profitability before you worry about your turnover. So you need to make sure that your business is making enough profit that you can afford to come off the tools. It's the reality. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a bit more. What sort of profit should I expect, either as a percentage or as a number? Because people want to know this. And there are some pretty set numbers out there that we should expect, aren't there? So let's blow the lid on this. Let's tell people what should they expect if you run a cleaning domestic cleaning business? What profit margin should we expect? I think the an achievable profit margin is 30 percent. 
I think that if you're operating less than 20, you need to really look at your costs and your prices. If you're over 30, fantastic. But I think 30 is a good base point. So for a lot of people, their staff are their main costs. So when we're looking at staffing costs, what sort of percentage should that be making up of your turnover? Um, Usually it's around 60%. I think it's less than that in America, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. They don't don't have to pay holiday pay and they don't have as many employee benefits in America. So it probably doesn't get added on top quite so much. So you're saying 60%, including holiday pay and, and things we've set aside. Okay, that's quite interesting. So so if I was to work on these numbers, if I was charging, say, £20 an hour, 60% of that, well, 50% is 10, so 60% is 12. Oh, I'm going to struggle to do that. Uh, minimum wage is about to go up to, what, £10.60. I am going to struggle. It's probably with, with minimum wage increase, because minimum wage has increased so quickly. Ah. Maybe you need to be, maybe it's going to be 70%. So, yeah, it's... it's so if... If so, so again, I know we talk about prices a lot, but just working on that one, if I'm expecting 60% to go to staff, I'm going to have to be charging more than £20 an hour. And if I'm VAT registered, obviously that comes out of my turnover, doesn't it? So it's £20 plus VAT. Yeah, absolutely. Are they the they same, same sort of numbers in your business, Louise? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, those are the kind of numbers we're looking at. Um, and I, I see people an awful lot. And actually, the biggest thing that happens is you become a busy fool. So you're running around you. And I see people that and I don't want to cause offence when I say this. We always know that's going to cause offence and um, charging 15 pounds an hour. And and they go, I'm a real success. I feel really proud. I'm running. I'm so busy. You know, I've got a waiting list. I went at 15 pounds an hour. You should do like at 15 pounds an hour. You know, you, you should be you should have queues down the block at 15 pounds an hour why would anyone not take you off they don't care if you spend half your time having a cup of tea at 15 pounds an hour well maybe not half your time but um and what they haven't learned is the sales skills to actually sell at a reasonable price and what happens is they then take people on or they're scared to people take people on or they have taken people on whichever way they go um and then they go oh i'm now really busy i've got 10 staff and I'm so busy at my 15 pounds now with my 10 staff and I'm going you're not making any money are you no I'm not but I feel so successful and I'm like oh my goodness what what like how do I break this to you please stop employing people you may as well get rid of half your staff overnight because you might as well not be doing it yeah and it, it but it's so difficult because it's it's how you me- how do you measure success do you measure it on the fact that you've got a waiting list do you measure it on the fact you've got 12 staff do you measure it on the, what and do you make a difference to their lives you know yeah. you it is success yeah. that's the reality yeah. so i measure it on your profitability and i'm going oh my gosh but they're not no no and maybe that's where that you know i think what often seems to happen when people are busy in their businesses and they're measuring their success by how many staff they've got or they're measuring their success by how many clients they've got and how happy their clients are because of course their clients are happy at 15 pounds an hour they're going to think you're amazing at 15 pounds an hour but the reality is especially if they're still out cleaning still on the tools so to speak is they are supplementing their business with their own labor because if they weren't out cleaning, the business would l- probably be running at a loss, never mind not making a profit. Well, so their their labour is almost like holding the whole business up and keeping everybody else employed, but it's not really serving them. 
And the whole point of any business is to make yourself redundant, but you can never replace yourself and put someone in the admin role because you're not making enough money to employ an admin person. So it's um, it's a really tricky one. But OK, so let's go back because I know again, I'm going to ask you more questions around figures. OK, so if, for example, I was charging, let's say, 15 pounds an hour at the moment, um, if I want to take on my first member of staff, what should I do? Uh, well, we've talked about this before, haven't we? If you're if you're gonna if you're charging fifteen pounds an hour, then before you even think about taking on a new member of staff, you need to make sure it's going to be worthwhile. Um, and obviously, everybody knows our opinion: fifteen pound an hour, you're not going to make any money. So why would you even be considering it? It's simple, isn't it? I asked this question to you, and it might seem repetitive because. How many times are we asked these questions? And I'm like, I'm going to ask it to you again and again and again until people stop asking these questions and start charging the rates. But but yeah, there are standard rates and profitability that we should be looking at. And I think the thing the thing I love about this podcast is that a lot of cleaners like to talk and they like to interact and they like to care about people. What they don't like is the numbers. And we're sort of going, right, let's make the numbers easy. Let's make the numbers as easy as possible most of us can work out 60% of your turnover goes to staff. Now, subject to you not absolutely wasting money, you should on 40% be able to make a decent amount of profit, shouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And there is a reality point though, you know, as you grow that sometimes your profit margins get smaller for a while, but you know, that's okay because it's a smaller profit margin, but of a bigger turnover, a bigger number to start with. But yeah, it's, it's difficult to kind of, not be hiding from those numbers because if the reality is you're going out cleaning and you're not charging enough to make a profit on your staff you're the only one generating any profit in your business that's a hard thing to face up to why is it hard well because it makes it it's that if your identity is your business is successful because you've got you've got a team and they're all out working all day and you're working alongside them but the reality is that you're the only one making any profit for the business that ties in with yeah it, it messes up your identity doesn't it if you think you you're successful, like a bit of a failure yeah exactly it makes you makes you feel that it's not why am I doing this and, and we hear this a lot why am I bothering it's not worth it and especially you know this time of year you know we're recording this in January you know this time of year a lot of us have come back after a break and just gone oh I hate this this is not working anymore and so that way but, anyway, no, 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 but some people are and, and you know it's, it's recognizing that that's what's happening in the industry and our job I suppose on our podcast and on our role with the DCBN is to raise people up isn't it is to help them be more successful sometimes they don't want to hear the message which is is difficult isn't it it's really hard I, I hate it I always sort of sit there and especially if I'm on the phone and they can't quite see my face and I give this big sigh of like right let's pop your bubble today then like you know when you go I'm gonna have to deliver the worst message because it's wrong not to deliver the message but I really don't like it when I have to go yeah you might as well not be doing this and they're like oh what you don't think I'm a success and I'm like no I don't like I don't normally say it quite as blunt as that but like and it doesn't mean that there's not support there it's not not doesn't mean that it can't be changed but you have to make the decision that that's what you're going to change. I suppose this all links into getting off the tools. If that's your aim, then you're so much you need to do in the background to make that happen. Otherwise, you're just going to keep adding team members, <laughs> but not actually adding any more money or sustainability or security for you. Because, 
you know, you going out cleaning is sometimes a bit of a security blanket, both financially and mentally. And you, if you're going to go off the tools, you're ripping that away. So you need to have something underneath. Okay, you know what I'm going to ask next. What do I need to have underneath to go off the tools? Well, I think you need you need you need a financial buffer. So you need that a little bit of financial security, which means that your business needs to be profitable um, without you. <laughs> so when we say financial buffer to a lot of people, that will mean how much money do I have to have in the bank? Well, that's different for everybody. I can't kind of really say. I know for me, it was a thousand pounds, not a huge amount of money. But then, you know, I with- wanted a month's salary not yeah. my salary a month of all salaries but for me you know my husband had a, a salary so for me having a thousand pounds buffer was enough to know that I didn't have to clean anymore but but I transitioned so it, it wasn't something I made a decision of overnight but it, it, for everybody it would be different but it probably you're probably right probably a month's salary for most people will be what they'll need but if your business is not actually profitable then that's irrelevant anyway and it's hard like for me having a month to be able to cover all my costs all my wages costs for a month no matter what if I've got no payments I could cover it. it oh the stress just goes because then it becomes like a game because you're just playing I don't like that customer anymore boom gone or I won't you know you just don't have the financial worry yeah and that's a dream for most people <laughs> Yeah, and, and I suppose that's why this this getting off the tools can be quite emotional, can't it? It's like, this is what I really want to do, but I just don't know how to make it happen. Um, and it's because you're tied into either either the working mindset or actually your business just can't support you. Um, and you have to wait maybe until it can. Okay, so I've got a financial buffer. Let's say I've got £1,000 in the business bank account. I've got £1,000. Um, so I can go off the tools. Can I? What else do I need? Well, you need some systems in place because if you're going to suddenly not be available, what are you going to do when somebody phones in sick? What are you going to do when somebody's on holiday? What are your policies and procedures around that? How do you deal that with from a customer service point of view, from a staff management point of view? So you need to have some things in place already that you should already be doing before you consider coming off the tools. When you say things in place, so let's assume there are handbooks and contracts and things, really what we're talking about having in place is the decisions are made in advance of the problem. Is that what you mean by having things in place? So having all the the paperwork in place, people think that's enough, but it's not if you haven't actually pre-made these decisions. If you're going to decide, actually, I cancel. Every time I don't have enough staff, I'll cancel. And then it's not written into the contractor it's not being explained to the customer it's useless isn't it yeah and and maybe you know in in our business certainly we we created we called it a decision tree and it was basically what do we do when this um, lots of scenarios there's so many different scenarios and most of us that have cleaning businesses have faced every kind of scenario in terms of what could go wrong um, and especially when we're talking about scheduling which is what this is related to so we had a decision tree what is a decision tree if this happens, can we move clients around? Can we extend somebody else's day? Could we, do we move the clients to the next day? Do we um, shorten the client's hours? You know, what do we do? Or do we cancel the client completely? Or originally the decision tree would have been, can Diane cover? You know, so that's now removed from the decision tree. So that's a, a little sort of scheduling system that you can use. And it removes the emotion because you just follow it through. 
So if someone's listening to this podcast and here's, oh, I want a decision tree in my life. You know, I'm <laughs> picturing this all over your wallpaper. You know, you always talk about it like it's a program. What is an actual decision tree? Because it's not a tree, is it? <laughs> <laughs> For us, it was literally um, a note that we, because all our, all our um, paperwork and everything that we do is all on Dropbox. So it would literally, it was in staff absence procedures. And it's just a one page document that you just look at. And it's like, what do I do and it and it followed through because there were things that you would do first and things that would be last and and when I was between eight and 15 staff and um, I was the last call so the last thing on the decision tree was Diana has to go out um, and then it was removed from the decision tree but at that time I did put in place a manager so it was they were then part of the decision tree if that makes sense they were the ones that got the first call to go out. I love this decision tree. You know, this would be really good because there's other things that happen. Like, I can't get into this house. The cut, the key doesn't work. Okay, well, let's go down the decision tree. Are you on the right house? Can you check the door number? Can you check the road number before I phone the customer? Right? Yeah. How often are there these processes in place? Could yeah. you just check you're using the right key? Like, are you the right door? Are you the right house? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you phone the customer and they go, I'm in. And there's no one at the door. And you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. so th these are just little tiny systems and, and I think sometimes people think of systems as software but actually sometimes they're just how do we do it in our business how do we make decisions how do we make changes how do we do the scheduling or whatever it is that we're trying to change so uh, before I could completely be out of that I had to have all this in place but do you not think that this is part of, and I know we've talked on it on other ones, and we talked about exit plans and franchising and systemizing your business, and to be fair, they're all the same thing. Um, this is the system of making a decision, and this is the very thing that if someone was to buy your business, that's what they want. They want your decision-making process. So creating your decision tree and having it systemized and written down is one of the most valuable things you can do. Yeah. And it, it not the thing is, it helps you because it helps you when you need to make another decision about something. You can remove the emotion and just follow the process. But you're absolutely right. You can train other people to do it. And as we know, if people want to buy a business, they want to buy a business that's going to be hand, as hands off as possible. I love this. I almost want you to hold up a little decision tree, like on a piece of paper. I wish no, you had draw one now, aren't I? Just a little Christmas tree with, oh, shall I do this or shall I do that? It doesn't kind of, it's not quite as beautiful as that, but yeah, it, I that's love what it. we call it. Okay, so what else do we have to have in place to go off the tour? So we've got our decision trees. Are we going to call them that? Decision yeah. trees. Some systems in place to, to make sure that, you know, and also I suppose what we also have to have in place is, you know, are your customers going to accept that you're no longer going to be their cleaner? Oh, mm. I mean, by the, the point, you've got that. Yeah, Do you know what I found hardest? Actually, it wasn't customers by that point. You know, they don't see you that often anyway, because the reality is you've got hundreds of customers. But there was a guilt factor of the staff not seeing me working and thinking, oh, you know, she's just sat around while I'm going out. And, and you know what? That did happen at the beginning. <laughs> there was, what do you even do? I was like, oh, what do you mean? What? I'm, I'm very busy. What do you do? Well, you know, I check on your work. <laughs> and, but there is a real guilt factor about it. And you do have to justify it because you've got really close to the staff, normally at the point where you're a staff stopping work and you know it's you care about their opinions and you don't want to feel like you're using them and especially if you come from a career where you are a, an accidental business owner you can't help but feel 
that, that that's how you feel you feel like you're taking advantage of other people I did maybe other people didn't feel the same way yeah I think but I think that's part of your transition from cleaner to business owner isn't it and and I know certainly the the staff that I worked alongside it was probably harder for me to let go of them if that makes sense you know and I remember going to um uh, this is a long time ago now and I still remember the emotion of it was I, I got invited to um, a party one of my team members having a party and I went along and um I was at the stage then where I had stepped back from the cleaning so I knew all the members of the staff quite well but there'd been a little bit of conflict one of my members of staff had left and taken quite a lot of customers with her and everybody knew about it and it was awkward to say the least I was you know obviously it hurt me at the time was emotionally involved and everything and this other person had been invited along um and for me that was my realization point of um they're my team members and I'm the owner of the business you mean they're not your friends because you would expect loyalty and to not invite someone that had you know word screwed you over yeah exactly yeah and so that for me was one of the big realizations that yeah I'm I'm now it's it's not it's nothing to do with moved on from them it's just I'm not part of the team anymore that's hard isn't it is it was really tough at the time it now doesn't bother me at all but at the time it was a real emotional transition for me and maybe you know those those that are still at that stage where they want to get off the tools you're going to have to go through that transition too and part of being hard. a business owner it's hard because if you see your success as having a team and making a difference to these people's lives and giving them good employment you know that team and that camaraderie that community really matters to you to then take a step back and go i i'm different and they then go or oh, you see yourself as better that hurts like that is gonna hurt isn't it <laughs> but also i i I've always felt that, you know, I've never felt better than them, but I have felt that I carry the weight of responsibility that they don't. Um, and that's really tough. That's really tough. And I think we've talked about this in podcasts before, where you have to find other ways of remaining strong outside of your team. Yeah, it's hard. It's yeah. hard when you go, I just want you to look after me for a bit. And it's like, I don't get to turn <laughs> up to a job. <laughs> I don't really know what to do here. Like. I mean, there are times when I have said that to a customer going, I don't know what to do to make you happy. But sometimes you just go, oh, I, I'm not in the mood to solve this problem. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> else be in charge today. I don't want to be. But there <laughs> are times you go. <laughs> or, or like you said, when they go to parties or you see their like best mates on social media of some kind and you're like, I don't want you to be best mates, even though I started the friendship and I was happy with you being friends. Now that I've fallen out, I want you to fall out. And you go, ah, oh, you just can't, can you? You can't. <laughs> you know, there's a point where you have to be professional, but we're all people at the end of the day. And yeah, we're all human. And, and I suppose it's, you know, our advice is if your plan is to get off the tools, yes, there's lots of things you need to put in place, but but you also need to understand that it will be a transition and it might be painful, not just financially, but actually it might be emotionally painful and just find ways of dealing with it. Obviously, you know, you can reach out to us, but, you know, there is going to be a transition. You'll change. So we've talked about quite a lot of the change and some of the negatives. Let's look at the positive. Why would you want to go off the tools? Well, because 
why would you not want to? I don't, I don't really know what. what I like cleaning. I don't want to. Why would you want to? Sell, sell to me why I need to come off the tools. Well, I would say that if you're serious about growing a business, then you have to be off the tools because your job is not to be delivering the service of your business. Your job is to be making sure everybody else is delivering a great service, not to be doing it yourself. Okay, but how's that a benefit to me? The benefit to you is that you're building a business and making yourself redundant. That's kind of, you know, what the plan is for those that are building a bigger business is to be redundant or to sell it or whatever you want to do or just not passive income, but have a bit of freedom to not have to work. So one of the things that people a lot of the time want is the freedom to, especially like for me, I've got kids. I want to be able to go and see their school play and I want to go to their assembly and I want this and I want that. And while you can do that in theory and cleaning. The reality is if you're covering every opportunity, I remember one of the most devastating moments for me, and this is going to be really embarrassing. I got tickets to watch the final of Big Brother <laughs> some time ago. I don't think Big Brother's even on still anymore. But anyway, for those that remember Big Brother, um, I got tickets to see the final. It was down in London. And I said, yes, I hadn't booked my train tickets. And then three staff called in sick on that day. And I was like, no and to get down there I can't remember what time the final was but I had to be there at like four o'clock I would have had to leave at lunchtime at 12 o'clock well they can't cover three people and be done by 12 and I chose my business and I missed my final of big brother and it was what I wanted I think it was Kate Lawler and I adored her at the time <laughs> and so, um, yeah and that's a decision point isn't it and I think that sacrificing I mean, probably perhaps if the Big Brother final was important to you, why was your customer's clean house more important? I guess for me at the time, my perception of success, my self-image of success came down to I don't cancel cleans. I am reliable. I viewed myself as a reliable person, as a reliable company. And the sick feeling of having to phone up that customer and cancel when the reality is if I miss Big Brother, I wouldn't have had to cancel. Um, you feel an immense, I would have felt an immense amount of guilt now oh no now now it's all changed now I'm like book me in <laughs> <laughs> so is that because your measure of success was not letting people down being professional yeah and you know the reality is if you hadn't if I hadn't changed I had already changed this by COVID but if I hadn't already changed this by COVID if my success and my perception of myself was based on not letting people down COVID kind times came and you had what 50 80 percent sickness I mean the business was closed for part of the time I mean that would have gone out the window at that point anyway um but yeah for, for a lot of us if you look at what holds us back in business it is all our own baggage and yeah. If that was my baggage and if you resonate with my baggage, well, you know, you can change. You absolutely can change. And I know a lot of people off the back of these podcasts phone up and go, Louise, you said what I'm thinking. And I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I've had that baggage. Um, you know, might not be the big brother final, but it'll be something do. though you know what you know we just had Christmas what about the school nativity play you know it's these I mean I you know I talk to my staff about this and kind of go you need to book them in because we, we all want you to go to the nativity plays so just make sure you book the time off but as business owners do we always 
book the time off and it's it's a shame and you know if your motive is to to get off the tools whatever that means to you then there has to be some freedom around that and yeah yeah so if you do get off the tools the reality then becomes actually you're off the tools so when you're cleaning you've got a really clear start and finish i'm working here i'm not working there then you go off the tools and let's say there's some residual guilt okay so then you're now suddenly i work nine till three but let's say you i was cleaning nine till three and i could stop in the evening because i was working nine till three and then i was working nine till three but because i felt guilt i was then working in the evenings as well and then when does work stop? Because the reality is you probably don't have an office, which would be a separate place to work. So you're working at home and then you think you're not working, but the reality is you're having dinner with your partner and you're thinking about work and you're talking about work. So are you working? Yeah. Is there ever an off button when you're a business owner? I think this comes down to a decision again. It's not a decision tree this time, but it's a decision that you know, if you're going to come off the tools, then maybe that's when your your working day becomes when you would have been out cleaning and switch off. So do you know what I love? Obviously, you know that I've been studying neurolinguistic programming. What's awesome is when I get the fun job of working with someone and they've got all of these and we start to take that decision to parts and they go, oh, my gosh, I don't think that anymore. And we go, so what are you going to do differently? And they're like, oh, it's so obvious. It's so obvious what I'm going to do that moment of absolute clarity is it's amazing that's not just nlp like it's in all coaching that moment where they just go oh and and you feel a bit guilty as you take their version of the world and their beliefs and you start sort of picking at it and picking at it and unraveling it and there is a bit of awkwardness about that but it is lovely and then they go my goodness i can spend the evening with my family and actually i could get my work done between nine and three if i started my work at nine rather than procrastinating till two and then i'm not getting to do anything and then yeah no i agree and and do you think there's an element here around um identity and and like you know you said about feeling guilty but i'm wondering if you know going out and actually physically working feels more like proper work than doing the invoicing or doing the marketing and it's easier to explain isn't it what did you do oh well I worked I cleaned for five hours I deserve some sympathy it's really easy to say I did this work it's clear it's tangible everyone knows you did it and you bought in money whereas not doing it you go well I sort of did some marketing that may or may not generate something I did a couple of Facebook posts and yes I did in your mind you go I did get distracted I was on the DCBN and oh my goodness you should see what's going on today (laughs) and yes I stayed there for 20 minutes is it work I think it is like yeah and I think maybe that's it's it's our definition of what's real work isn't it so like I spent two hours yesterday creating a presentation for a masterclass tomorrow night I loved every minute of doing it, but it was still work just because I enjoyed it. And then like when you're working, so you clean for five hours and you feel tired and you can, you can sort of come home, I worked and and it's like we're ingrained to whinge about work. Whereas when you love your job and I'll be honest, if anyone that was out and about last night, I was up till 2am because I got very excited about the latest project and, (laughs) um, which I've now got that I'm very excited about, which we will release at some point, but, um, I love my work. I didn't want to go to bed. I was laying in bed. Eventually I went to bed going, oh, I don't want to sleep. I'm so excited. I don't want to get back on my computer. Um, but then it doesn't feel like work. And then you feel guilty going, well, okay, I worked from nine till two. Effectively, you know, I worked for five hours. That is not a far off a working day if you're working solidly. 
um, but do you, were you really working? And you don't get to have a lie-in the next day because you were working till two. Whereas what boss would not give you a lie-in if you've yeah, been up till two? You'd have a day off in lieu, wouldn't you? But no, you don't get any of that, do you? But do you think sometimes as well as, as business owners and, and this sort of, you know, people that are still still out there cleaning and, and you know, and very much involved in, in delivering the service, is do they feel they're indispensable? And that, you know, where I had that mindset shift of, I am no longer available. I'm not, you know, the the only person that can do stuff in the business. I'm not the only person that can deliver a great clean. And, you know, we see a lot, you know, people that can't come to masterclasses or anything and they'll email me. I'm really sorry there's been an emergency. I've got to go out and clean. And I'm just like, it's that need to be indispensable, perhaps, that's feeding it as well. Well, do you believe you're the best cleaner in your company? 100% no. <laughs> <laughs> I could be so I could be if I wanted to be but no not now are you the best manager in your company no probably not <laughs> this is honest, are you the best marketer in your company yes <laughs> okay so you shouldn't be because the whole point is to make yourself redundant so actually you know yeah but no I'm, I'm there's a lot that I am not good at not well I'm really good, really good at things but I've trained other people to be better or they were already better than me customer service I, that is, I look, I'm good at it, but I am nowhere near as good as the person that does it in my business. And this is the point, actually, you know, to turn around. And this is the sense of self because you've made a success of your business. You're proud to go out to your friends and say, I do all of this. And then you then have to accept that there's other people in your business that are better than you at the very thing you get your self identity and pride from. And that's hard when, yeah. like, there was a long time where I believed I was the best cleaner in the entire world. <laughs> I now don't just so you know but like you know and and that really held me back because I didn't believe that I could tr ever train anyone to be as good as me I didn't believe I could ever step away because if I ever tried to step away um you know things went wrong and it's only when you realize that you are not indispensable that you you can make that shift and actually start empowering other people um and you're not trying to be the best the whole time yeah and and accepting that you don't need to be the best at everything yeah and that's the key to freedom anyway because if you always believe that only you can do things well that's absolutely correct if it's <laughs> not if you think it is it's absolutely correct yeah it isn't there's a, there's a proper quote on that from him yeah, i don't know what it is but i know that if you believe that then th that you'll just carry it on you know, whereas if actually you realise it doesn't need to be perfect, I can train other people to do this. People do want to work. People can do a good job when I'm not there. I can have a holiday. I can go to Big Brother's final or whatever it is, you know, and I can cancel clients. You know, if that's the the outcome, that's what happens. And we saw this with someone in the DCBN today who's been having a bit of a tough time and they've just booked a holiday. They've yeah. booked a holiday and they've gone to cancelling for a week. And we're like, yes, yes. Yeah. Because that's the way to do it yeah <laughs> you've got to get to that point haven't you yeah. um so in conclusion ditch the guilt get on make your business profitable it's got to financially make sense you've got to have the systems behind the scenes have we covered everything or is there anything more we want to add to get no, off the I th I, yeah i think it's just make the transition understand it might be emotional it might be hard but if this is what you want then it is possible
yeah I think we've covered most of the most people I've got to say we've talked about it like it's really emotional most people that I talk to don't have anything like this level of emotions I think I'm just like over these drama queens (laughs) it wasn't like this all the time it wasn't I'm 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 like there were moments of feeling like this but it wasn't constant (laughs) yeah I think we're done well done thank you I love to see you all and I can I give a little quick plug so if you've liked this it is worth finding out more about the DCBN visit the website on www.dcbn.org.uk and we've got events coming up loads coming up if you want real content so we just chat on these podcasts and we love it and it's good fun but real the reality is we take a lot of this content and we turn it into training webinars we turn these into presentations and we take this knowledge and we show you how to apply it to your business so if you just want to listen to us chat about it that's great but if you really want to actually apply this to your business in an easy way with the templates made easy then you have to join the dcbm simple isn't it (laughs) so thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next one